Borak Thong Earthlets. My name is Conrad alongside my friend Jason, and this is the fourth episode of Space Spinner Reaction. Podcast for two Americans trying to make sense of the UK's own classic comic action, three issues at a time. This time we're covering action for April and May 1976, issues 10 and 12. This episode will finish a few stories and start a couple more because we're now well and truly into action. Well, some exciting times, lots of new stuff spinning up, lots of st- stories coming to a head. I'm uh, I'm super excited to get into this. Yeah, we're definitely reaching a point in these comics where um you know they they're really starting to get letters and feedback from people, so they're sort of making their adjustments. You know, taking some stories down, um, putting other ones up, and then also I think to an extent some of these stories also just kind of have natural conclusions. They're sort of reaching those and then sort of going to new spots as well. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, for sure. Cough with jaw, cough. I mean, you know, there's nothing I love in my life more than Hookjaw, but at some point you just killed everybody on that oil rig, you know? Like, <laughs> you, you just run out of people out there. Yeah. Yeah, where we're at. Exactly. But uh, speaking of continuing stories, it's Story One Dredger. Oh, man. I love the where the Dredger storylines just can. It getting increasingly convoluted and explosive. I just, uh, yeah, we're really jumping around through time and space in Dredger, I feel like. Uh, the writers, uh, Kelvin Gosnell, as always, and we start our first Dredger story with some melty hands. <laughs> Dredger and Breed <laughs> are escorting, uh, escorting a Middle East expert to his hotel room before a big conference. But several hours later, the boys return and he's vanished. The man who died twice. Yeah. Dredger takes a moment to check the bathroom, and and they go investigating. They learn that there's a top assassin, Novikowski, the Czech, in town. Um, They go (laughs) to talk. Definitely. Listen, you got to name people where they're from, as always, you know? Um, They go to talk to him, uh, shoot him in the face, and check out his room. Where they not, find not just they shoot him in the face. This was a full some breed action shot where yeah. he not only shoots this guy in the face, but makes fun of Dredger for being too slow on the draw. Breed's <laughs> stepping up the cockiness yeah. level. Bre- Breed's getting in on the action this episode. I think you can we can all agree on that. Um, but also razzes Dredger for doing some yeah. sleuthing in the hotel, which that I mean that was an interesting choice. But okay, yeah, um, a little role reversal going on. Definitely, yeah. So they find some like plumbing supplies in the Czech's um, apartment, I guess. <laughs> yeah, um, and then like Dredger realizes something. They rush to. This conference thing where the expert's still alive, addressing the conference. Dredger, Dredge runs into the conference room, shooting, shoots that guy in the face, shoots the ambassador Shoot guy in the face, face. in front <laughs> of the entire assembly. Says like, Boom. like, ah, oh, that guy's a fake. His his briefcase is a bomb. Does the whole thing where he throws the briefcase out the window and then shoots it to make it explode. <laughs> It's and awesome. somehow doesn't get shot at any point. No, they let him. Yeah, they just let him walk in and shoot at this ambassador in the face, and then throw his briefcase out a window and shoot that. And no one acts. No, well, they, they want him to explain himself, and he does. <laughs> it looks like that the check must have switched the shower lines to the ambassador guy's hotel, so that he pumped pure sulfuric acid into the shower and melted him alive. Um, yep. And then switch it back to water to melt away the remains, except for his wedding ring, which is made of gold, one of the few substances not melted by sulfuric acid. I mean, see, you know, some professionals just aren't as professional as others. You know, he knew his plumbing, but... Yeah. Yeah, he... Just, uh, uh, 
never tracked that ring. I mean, it makes me wonder how often does he take that ring off? He didn't notice it was missing, huh? I mean, you know, maybe the you know the the secret agents don't know to look for the ring except for Dredger, I guess. And you know, Breed, he's too busy shooting shooting people, shooting suspects before talking to them to check like the bathroom oh. where the where the guy might have been. You know, no time for investigation. Breed needs to get results. Oh shit, we're all all over the place now. <laughs> <laughs> but as they split up, so the next story is uh, the evil General uh, Keto is planning to kill the Japanese foreign minister Yoshimoto. So Breed stays with the minister while Dredger heads north to deal with Keto on his cool motorcycle. But never split the party. What is Dredger thinking? Gotta do it. Dredger tries to break in, but he gets taken out by Keto's karate goons. He gets uh, like jump kicked in the back of the head. Does he split the party and then he failed his perception check because Breed wasn't there to make observations? Yeah. See, this is what happens. A series of bad D&D playing at this point. Just just bad uh, best bad D&D best practices. Oh. Absolutely. So the monks <laughs> take him. I mean, sorry, the goons. Oh, no. So um, Dredger comes to with General Keto doing your basically standard like evil villain monologue, like sort of explaining the whole plan and stuff. Oh. And, it's pretty... It, it's, it's, Pretty th- I mean, he even states that he's doing that, right? Like, yeah. he acknowledges that that is the plan, and it's because you're not going to survive, you stupid English. And- he, gives, he gives the exact time that the ambassador will die, which I appreciate, 9 a.m. on the dot. He uh, he has his goons get uh, Dredger drunk on sake, which is pretty awesome, and then they just uh, toss him down a cliff. Yeah. <laughs> Screw you, down this cliff. As far as, uh, you know, assassination attempts, like, it doesn't get as, like, weird and convoluted as this. I really appreciate the the commitment to villainy. Absolutely. <laughs> Luckily, they taught, they're trying to fake a car accident. So they have, they toss him down the cliff on, like, his motorcycle. And he's able to ride his bike down to the bottom of the, of, of the hill and, like, survive. He, uh, Dredger, now, now still alive, tries to warn Breed, but he's still pretty drunk, and Breed doesn't, like, believe him. He's like, right. You know. So, Breed doesn't take his word on the thing that Dredger went to investigate specifically. Ket, uh, General Keto's done the, done that thing from, uh, that one Simpsons Halloween, spe- Halloween episode where Homer sees the aliens, and then they spray him with rum, so no one will believe their, will believe his tale. <laughs> But he's reporting on his actual literal job. Get out of here, Dredger, you're drunk. <laughs> yeah, okay. Dredger's got to get on his motorcycle, presumably still pretty blitzed, driving over 125 miles an hour to get back to London to to protect the ambassador. When he gets there, he realizes that this whole thing's been a setup, and he's the bomb, which leads to a really awesome thing where not only has he, like, as far as Breed knows, Dredger's called, called him up in a drunken stupor spouting conspiracy theories but now in front of this minister thing he just jams his fingers down his throat and pukes right in front of him <laughs> which is pretty great but but coughs up a bomb in the process so, he does manage know. to throw up and deactivate a bomb and breed owes dredger an apology and then this happens off screen i guess mostly but then they I, they sneak the bomb into one of keto's oysters because he was eating oysters when he was doing the monologue to, to dredger so i guess right. they sneak the bomb into one of those and just blow them up good times <laughs> And it's a hell of an explosion. It tears down a mansion. Yeah, no, it's like one of those, like, you know, like it's like a thimble, but it's enough to, like, to, yeah, to destroy yeah. a city block, basically. <laughs> but I do enjoy this one panel with the breed apology because the just uh, obvious chagrin on his face. I mean, they capture it so perfectly. He's just like, 
Yeah, I really did just do the worst possible job at my job. And he's also just—it's also a weird situation because this is clearly after Dredger has just puked up a bomb and then deactivated it. Like, right? That's a complicated morning. I think we can all agree. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I guess even for these DI six agents, this is probably a pretty complicated morning. Yeah. <laughs> so for the final story for Dredger this time, we're in color. Oh yeah, in the center because Hookjaw's out of here. <laughs> The uh, the boys are on the run in South America from the, some KGB agent. They smash into a nearby uh, into a nearby bullfighting ring. Sorry, some KGB agents, I should say. They smash right. into a bullfighting ring, have a big old shootout on the sand. Um, they manage There's to blood. Yeah, they may take good advantage of the color. Treasure shirt is red, presumably, so you don't see when he's bleeding. Oh, you know. Got the Deadpool thing going on. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, they they shoot down the enemy and Breed conti- uh, continues and actually shoots a, uh, a policeman. Oh, man. He killed was, an innocent cop. I was so willing to give him props. He, like, spotted this guy sneaking up on them, guns him down, and it's a cop. Oh, man. Yeah. Just... I mean, that's pretty much the end of Breed's life, right? That's yeah. just like worst nightmare. I mean, according to Breed, it is. He's got like a full on, like on his knees, like this world is over, like shouting no in the rain kind of moment. Luckily, Dredger's there to just cold cock him upside just the head with his gun out. and drag him like across town to the train station, basically. <laughs> Breed comes to in a train car. <laughs> When the train is suddenly boarded by some off-duty cops who come on the train and then go to their car and ask if they can, like, sit down because they're like, oh, we're weary off-duty cops and stuff. But, and 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 Breed's feeling guilty, but suddenly those off-duty cops turn out to be more KGB agents. And that previous cop was a KGB agent, too. Oh, gosh. <laughs> so Breed's instincts were correct all along. He yeah. He really is a super spy. Totally. Yeah. Dredger makes his move. He smashes out the train window with one of the cops while Breed kills the other and then tosses Dredger his magnum to take care of the remaining fake KGB cop. The uh, the boys are kicked out of the country, which is pretty cool. <laughs> like, the actual cops show up and are like, hey, buddy, you got to go. <laughs> Never come back to our country. Thank you. Exactly. Yeah. So, Breed's conscious is clean, and he might be dirt, in thi- but he's still dirt in this part of the world, just like Dredger's dirty everywhere. So you can see that something's eating at Breed here, because this is the first time, I think, in five issues that he refers to Yeah, he brings back the dirt thing. thing. Yeah, yeah, it's good. All of a sudden... <laughs> Just when he thought, you know, those bonds were forming, that respect was there, all of a sudden he's like, oh, man, I'm just as bad as Dredger. I'm dirty. Gotta bring it back. Yeah. (laughs) Listen, man, sure, Dredger's dirty, but he gets results. More next week. (laughs) I I love these Dredger stories. (laughs) I really enjoy, like, that there seems to be this, this... this this gap bridging like this, this bridging of the gap between these two where breeds quicker to action and, and and trying to drive the results dredger's doing a little more like legwork at places doing some investigation before blowing everybody up like yeah. i think there's some bleed over this happening between these two and yeah, they're they're de- yeah. the deal, you know like they're definitely doing that doing that thing where yeah you look into the abyss and the abyss looks back into you and they kind of trade places a little bit for sure but uh speaking of bridging the gap jason <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> it's story two helmet of the africa core 
<laughs> that is an epic maneuver, but we'll get to that soon. It's good, yeah. So uh, writer Jerry Finley Day, artist Mike Dory, we're North Africa, 1941, and uh, he- Colonel Hellman of the uh, of the Africa Corps Tank Division, uh, Hammer Force within Africa Corps, I guess, is moving to take the uh, Suez Canal, but fuel supplies are running low. Plus, SS leader Kastner is being a real jerk about riding the tanks instead of his support vehicle. Rommel will hear of this. Oh my goodness! This—they're really like driving this one into the ground. Like absolutely, yeah. just there to obstruct and not help and take credit. Like they—that are those only qualities. Yep. <laughs> Moving through the desert, Hellman comes across a British tank and they take it out. But Hellman's gunner, uh, the the uh, ironically named Jackal. No, it's like real on the nose. Obviously named, ja- named mm-hmm. uh, Jackal is a loyal Nazi and thus guns down the defeated tank crew. Um, you know, and it's what's funny is that all the almost all of the guys they're fighting this episode are uh, are Anzacs or British troops from like Australia, New Zealand, and uh, and Canada, and I think Africa too. In there is is the second day in Anzac, but I don't know. Um, whatever it is, all these guys wear shorts, and there's just something dishonorable killing guys in shorts, if you ask me. Anyhow, <laughs> I mean, they're, they've already given in, and he just like yeah, definitely, especially surrendered guys in shorts. That's tough. Yeah, I um, think that's the part that really like if they're in the tank. Blow them to hell. Yeah. If they stand, step out of the tank, now you're out of line. Definitely. <laughs> yeah, me making fun of Anzac's going to make several people I know who listen to this, who probably listen to the show very angry. Anyhow, <laughs> uh, checking the bodies, the Germans find a map to a British fuel dump, and Hellman has Jackal count the fuel barrels, which is, like, insulting. But uh, suddenly, some Brit tanks appear, and we got to think fast. So Hellman starts, like, tossing these, like, small gas cans at the British tank as ga- as Jacko shoots them, which then, like, spreads flaming fuel oil onto the tanks and sets them on fire. I don't know if that's how it works when you shoot gasoline, but whatever. Um, that's how it works when Jacko shoots gasoline. Oh, This fair. guy is super talented. Yeah, he's got those high-level Nazi <laughs> powers that let him, like, like a proc um, flame onto his, t- his attacks. Do you some video right. game terms? Exactly. <laughs> He's so, uh, that. yeah, they manage to take out these tanks with the threat beaten Jackal then goes to execute the surrendered Brits and Hellman stops him. The two of them have a showdown, but suddenly the uh, flames from those tanks reach this puddle of gas that Jackal's standing in and he goes up like a torch. <laughs> yeah, that was intense. Just them talking about who is the actual traitor and then Hellman just telling him he's going to be on fire, right? Like yeah, he tells like him, it's gonna happen. Hey, watch, watch out, you're about to be on fire, and then he is. Yeah, Hi! And, so, <laughs> and I like how Kastner shows up and he's just like, oh, well, these things happen. Plenty more Nazis where that came from. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I guess it's another place where they show contrast between the way that Hellman always talks about the lives of his men and even of enemies, like the yeah. lives of enemies, and Kastner's like right-hand dude is just like, ah, well, We'll make sure he's well, a, gets close to you. You know, forward. I feel like Kastner's being a good, a good manager. Like he doesn't like get like let minor setbacks get in the way of him and like sort of having a positive outlook on things. As we'll see here in 1942, Hellman's preparing to attack the port of Habrook as Kastner looks on. Uh, the mm-hmm. tanks advance, and we see British soldiers hiding in trenches, making them look abandoned. But suddenly they burst. They burst forth. Achtung, Anzacs. Um, and their bombs, like, take out two panzers as uh, Hellman snags a rifle and blows out two. They're trying to take his tank as well. He attacks a cable to a third damage tank to drag it to safety and takes out, like, an Anzac, like, marksman with a loose wheel from that tank and stuff. And, you like, know, 
Yeah, go ahead. To the jaw. Yeah, it's cool. Um, like, he, he's like, mm, this is my only shot. But then he puts it in the dude's mouth. Yeah. Like, <laughs> he, he made it sound a lot more dicey than the actual execution. Like, how much have you practiced throwing tank wheels at people? You know, maybe he's a discus thrower. That's what he refers to it as, right? So Yeah, he, uh, you know, Hellman, Hellman, even to himself, you know, he underpromises and over overperforms. That's his move. Um, <laughs> but we see some of Kastner's quality management style here because, yeah, the attack has failed, but he still invites Hellman to. To come to like his tent for a fancy celebration of Hitler's birthday on like that night. Yeah, this is amazing to me because Kastner has taken every opportunity to try to criticize or make little of Hellman. And on Hellman's great day of his greatest defeat, his yeah. like the one just, time we, we, we've failure. really seen him lose in the course of this comic so far. Yeah, yeah, sorry. And go he ahead. goes, he goes, let's go party. Like he doesn't. I, I was expecting him to try to like strip him of his command, use this as some way to like tear Hellman down, and he tells him he has to come have a drink for Hitler. Yeah. I um I am I I don't understand these two and their relationship. Like <laughs> the Hellman thing, yeah. supports him when Kastner wants tells him he's a failure and he should have like left him to die. Uh Kastner invites him to party when Hellman actually fails and he has a reason to strip him of command. I don't these nazis are complicated guys i think it's also funny that like apparently everybody brought like a white tuxedo with them also yeah that's just a standard that's part of standard kit that they're pulling out their champagne and like their their uh, their fancy tuxedos for the party but because it's at midnight it's dark and so no one notices that it's not hellman there but in fact hellman's like batman is like he's like a, a he's like servant because hellman himself is leading a late night reconnaissance patrol into Habrook. Yeah, nobody ever sees Batman coming in the dark, gotta say. It's his natural element, you know. <laughs> really? <laughs> he is vengeance and the night, buddy. <laughs> so, Hellman and the rest of, of his sneaky recon team make their way into Harbuck. The Anzacs are firing flares to illuminate the battlefield. Hellman uses a bayonet on a burnt-out tank like to like salvage its periscope for looking around and spots some 25-pound howitzers ahead. He pinpoints their locations and is ready for the next battle, but suddenly an Aussie patrol rolls in and they have to run. So uh, many red shirts. Yeah, They're all lost. the red shirts get killed. Uh, Hellman hides in a foxhole until the patrol leaves. He's called a meeting of the ta- of the Panzer leaders and prepares a formation to take advantage of knowing the locations of these heavy guns. The uh, the attack begins. The tanks blasting through Anzac positions, destroying howitzers as they go. But when all seems won, there's a new setback. A newly dug anti-tank ditch. Whatever will they do? Seriously, to keep the assault going, Hellman makes the uh, the the big power move by crashing his own tank into the ditch, uh, and then moving and then gunning it so that it uh, goes completely upside down. It he turtles itself, but then that tank becomes a bridge for all the other tanks. Now this is the hammer force action I've been missing. Using the tanks as tools, not just something yeah. that shoots stuff, but like mm-hmm. uh, as. As, as like interacting like viscerally with the environment i've been missing yeah. this from hammer force yeah. thank you for finally bringing that to africa hammer force writers <laughs> absolutely <laughs> yeah upside down tank bridge to is a, is not a bridge too far 
<laughs> Jesus. Um, yeah, so Harbuck is taken. Hellman himself captures the guys from that patrol last night, but refuses to identify them to Kastner so they don't get, like, executed or something. Because he's not a cold-blooded Nazi. Uh, these two guys will live, and uh, the Nazi war machine has instead taken control of an important port, and thus are far ahead in the war effort. Thanks a lot, buddy. Like, small yeah. victories, I suppose. <laughs> right. I'm not a cold-blooded killer. Like, a cold-blooded Nazi, I just do their bidding. I don't... And kill a lot of people in a sort of a, a hot-blooded manner, you know? Like, oh, there it is. Yeah. He's definitely he's definitely keeping these two guys alive, but last episode he definitely killed two guys on the back of his tank. You know, he's keeping it pretty even. <laughs> like, anyhow. I mean, I guess it's more guys being spared than the average Nazi, I presume? I don't See, know. Yeah, I think that's basically the answer. <laughs> But cool. uh, speaking of a uh, small victories, <laughs> or I don't know, I, I get, it's actually decent ones, but whatever. Yeah, story three, blackjack. <laughs> this definitely seems to be one of the more uh, limited run type of. Uh, I, this seems to be one of those 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 mixed mixed bags type of victories. I yeah. think at least this first issue. But we'll Absolutely. get it. Yeah. So writer John Wagner, artist Trigo. Uh, our buddies Blackjack, Yank, and Solly have headed out to the country to prepare for the big fight against Joe Fairman. Um, meanwhile, uh, yeah, so they're like, yes, yeah, so they're like sparring, watching tape, doing all that stuff, sort of in like this kind of uh, out, you know, out of the way location. But back, of, you know, yeah. key scenes in any of these like boxing movies where you know, like you know, you're taking it seriously because they have removed themselves from urban oh, yeah. life. Yeah, it's like yeah, like boxing. Right, like like in uh, in regular Rocky when he's like chasing the chickens in like the back area, or like in Rocky Four where they're like in like the Russian countryside and stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's how you know he's serious. It's 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 getting to the to the end game. Absolutely. Um. So me, but meanwhile, back in New York, uh, promoter Yancey has his own plans and soon arrives at the farm with two hundred thousand dollars for Blackjack to take a dive. Blackjack says no, and Yancey's goons prepa- proceed to beat the crap out of him, which is rough. Yeah. Um, no, it does not go well. Yeah. But Jason, listen, if you think that'll stop Jack Bear, and then you don't know Jack. Well, luckily, they never hit him in the... Oh, man. (laughs) I can't believe I let that go on as long as it did. Uh, Baron instead tries even harder. Yeah, because they hit him just in the gut, not in the face, so no one knows. (laughs) And soon, it's the night of the fight. Solly hasn't shown up, and suddenly the, the boys get a parcel. It can't be! It's Solly's finger! This is your last warning. That's, um... That does seem to be concerning. Also, once again, why did they split the party? It's fair. <laughs> you know that they're gunning for you. Why would you let Solly go off alone? Now whenever so- now whenever I see a story where someone's kidnapped and they send him a, a digit, I think of that part in The Big Lebowski where uh, the guy says, oh, my girlfriend cut off a toe. And Jack Goodman's like, now who's the nihilist? Anyhow. <laughs> <laughs> The finger also has Solly's ring, which, and I think this is pretty cool, um, has a secret compartment in it. <laughs> and inside hey. that secret compartment is a note telling Jack to keep fighting on, which is pretty cool. <laughs> so he knew his finger was going to get cut off. Yeah. And his, managed yeah. to write a note first and put it into the ring on the finger that was getting cut off. Yeah. Before so, I, got, I mean, this Solly's is, Johnny on the spot, dude. He knows he's a professional of getting kidnapped, I guess. <laughs> um. uh, yeah, I mean, I guess if that's something that you have like 
prepped a plan for in case of kidnapping and finger loss. Right. Be yeah. sure. I'm going to wear a distinctive <laughs> ring with a secret compartment so that if I'm kidnapped and I cut my finger off with the ring so that to prove that it's me, I'll put a note in there with some sort of important uh, information. Yeah, I I mean, it's rough out there. It's- Solly's a veteran guy, a veteran member of the fight game, dude. He's seen this sort of stuff before. <laughs> no, sorry, I mean, yeah, one of, one of his uh, his trainers walks around with a gun because yeah. of incidents like this. Like, Solly has kidnapping notes in his secret compartment. Yeah, like... Yeah, they're pros. <laughs> yeah, they've, they've been around this particular block. Yeah, so... uh Blackjack uh, heads out to fight. As he does, he sees Yancey's, like Yancey's goons waiting at the payphone uh, at, at the start of the match, and that gives him an idea. So he swiftly takes out Fairman. He basically just kind of suckers Fairman into going for an uppercut and then hitting him on his jaw, which takes him down. And then after he, he paid off. Yeah, totally. After he wins, he jumps out of the ring, charges the payphones, takes out Yancey's goons. And beats him up to the point where they get the address of where Solly's being held. Yeah, that's some treasure style interrogation. Seriously, will be proud of yeah. that. These particular maneuvers, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> he he changes into a tracksuit and then like speeds in a cab to the location, climbs in through the fire escape, and punches out all the goons, saving Solly and beating up Yancey. Then the cops arrive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, congratulations. Good. Good job, Mr. Baron. Like, <laughs> I love this because it's how uh, it's how uh, Daredevil's dad's story would have done if he'd been slightly more superpowered. You know. Oh, <laughs> I just I I love the cops in 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 this series just throughout in their relationship to to Jack. I also appreciate the responsible nature in which he pursues these people because he takes a cab instead of driving himself, knowing how bad his vision has become. Yeah. Like that's just. That's a solid rescue strategy right there. Way to be responsible. Make sure you get there safely. <clears throat> seems like he's tipping well as a, also. Class act. <laughs> well, I mean, he did just win a, a big fight, you know. He's yeah. feeling a little generous at the moment. Like, Definitely. everything's coming up Jack Barron. <laughs> totally, yeah. So, baddies are taken away, and uh, Solly's taken to the hospital. He gets fixed up. And listen, you know, he's lost his finger, but that just means it's easier for him to do, like, the V for victory sign. That is the most amazing explanation I've seen. <laughs> now it's more of a, frankly, now it's more of a U for victory, but it's fine. <laughs> He's feeling good about it. Yeah. I mean, I maybe he's doped up on pain meds. Who knows? <clears throat> he's just feeling good about life. Yeah, who's who am I to say otherwise? You know. <laughs> so, uh, so Yancey might be in jail, Jason, but he's still got his connections, and he's using them to destroy Jack's career. He'll never fight in New York State again. <laughs> yeah, J- it certainly all, seems to be the case. Yeah, all the black Jack, treating him. Yeah, all of his opponents are dropping out and all that stuff. He can't find a decent fight. He's got to do something, and uh, he heads to the gym. But yeah, basically, he finds out these persona non grata because everybody's afraid to fight him. Um, the only fights you can get are like bums, like out of Pittsburgh or other like you know non New York lo- locations. But yeah, no name towns. Yeah, but but yeah. But hearing that and remembering and being inspired by Joe Lewis, Jack gets an idea, calls a press conference, explains the situation, and declares that just like Joe Lewis, he's going to fight a bum a month to build up his rep, but he's actually going to do Joe Lewis one better and fight a bum a week. I mean, 
which is you know, pretty ballsy. Like, yeah, this is like eating Cheerios for Jack, though. You know, oh like yeah, it sounds it sounds impressive to the rest of us, but this is this is how he was warming up for his big fights anyway. It was like yeah. they were telling him to stop knocking out all his sparring partners, which was basically him doing a bum a week. So <laughs> yeah, that's that's fair actually. Yeah, this is basically just him practicing still, and it it looks good in the press. Good job. Yeah. That's a hell of a plan. Totally. Yeah, he he takes out the Pittsburgh guy easy, like less than a minute fight, and then we see just a quick montage of a bunch of fights. And like each, you know, in different locations up and down the East Coast and sort of slightly further inland with Jack winning each one in like less than two minutes, basically. You know, it's like, uh, yeah, it's like that, that, that one movie dig, he basically digs town his way through where there's just a montage from beating a whole bunch of guys like sort of in a, in quick succession. Yeah, I love this sequence. I just imagine like hearing the bell like ding over and over yeah. and just like, the risk going up. Yeah, it's just like a uh, really cool series of shots. <clears throat> I imagine like like an up an an up tempo song for it with kind of like like a bluesy sound, you know, or like uh, maybe like a like a uh, but but like the the word the lyrics of the song have to do with like knocking somebody out, you know. <laughs> yeah, and I just imagine like each of these these text things come because they have like that dynamic thing like like blowing up into the screen, you know, like yeah, a, like a, a impactful punch, just blah, you know, Augusta Georgia, seventy two yeah. seconds, blah, exactly, Louisville, Kentucky, yeah, like it's just it's a really cool dynamic series. Of, yeah, yeah, it's a, a real cool long. montage, absolutely. <laughs> But then he's beaten so many dudes six weeks in, making a lot of money doing it, that now the boxers that were canceling on him are crawling back. And Jack is a hot ticket. Everybody wants to fight him. He's back on top. Can't wait to see how things are about to go bad again. (laughs) (laughs) Well, trouble's heading for Blackjack Baron. Always. Oh man, yeah, fun blackjack stuff. I love, yeah, like, like you said, yeah, this fight montage is real cool at the end, and um, yeah, just fun more fighting and yeah, the, you know, it's so crazy. Like the off boxing rings parts of blackjack are so insane, of just <laughs> like, like, like the literal like superhero stuff in the middle of it is really awesome. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, it's interesting, like, the transition they've taken now from going where when they were in England, like, all of it was just about his health and getting the matches yeah. life in time. And then they come to America, and it's just off the wall, him taking on the mob. And, yeah, like, there's so much extra, extra parts to it. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, not to jump ahead, but I feel like it's a little bit like, it reminds me a little bit of play till you drop where when play till you drop started they had all that stuff about like uh his knee being hurt and stuff and they kind of dropped that about halfway through i mean we're gonna they're gonna bring the eye stuff back next episode i'll let you know but um it's funny to see when they just sort of don't talk about that much and instead go for other um crazier situations and problems you know? yeah they're really diving on the action part and i mean at one point they like cop like like the cops respect him enough that they offer to let him alone with oh yeah yeah they give him a chance to beat the shit out of yancey while he's in a prison cell which is pretty awesome yeah like they listen to him threaten uh baron like hey you want five minutes alone with him (laughs) jack's like like says it's not worth it but that's the only reason right so he's just got yeah he's got like the respect of all the cops that's what i'm saying i'm, I'm just loving his relationship with the police throughout this so they're just Definitely. like oh, yeah that's a good point it did it again baron good job bud like <laughs> <laughs> awesome yeah and speaking of um a guy with no respect for authority jason <laughs> Ah, it's you mean the ultimate authority. Oh, that's true. Yeah, nature itself. It's story four. Hookjaw. Oh, oh man. man. 
Speaking yeah. of wall. <laughs> yeah, writer Pat Mills, artist Roman Sola. So knocked out by an electrical cable, Hookjaw sinks unconscious, unconscious, perhaps to die. But instead, he comes under attack by a swarm of barracuda. Is this the end? Dun, 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 dun. Um, <laughs> The uh, the pain of the attack is enough to restart Hookjaw, and uh, he kills all them fish. Ooh, a barracuda. <laughs> yeah, it's I, this is like the second or third time where Hookjaw is saved by the fact that he wasn't just left alone when he was dying. That's right. <laughs> yeah, the, the, everybody keeps taking a poke at Hookjaw. You won't just give him a moment's peace, not even a moment's peace to die. <laughs> He's kept alive by his own baleful hate of all Alfred. around him. <clears throat> yeah, he just says hate aura keeps dragging him back. Yeah, to life. you know he's just he's a Hobbesian super animal. He look, con- fights a constant war of all against all. You know, but anyhow, jeez, <laughs> that's a deep cut. I don't care. Getting full of philosophical within this giant shark story. You know, that's how that's how we roll. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, Mc- on the on the rig, McNally is celebrating Hookjaw's death, and it's finally come to blows between him and our nominal human hero Mason. I mean, but by just lack of any other, options, yeah, process of, el- of elimination. That's right. <laughs> They have a huge fist fight, and after Mason thinks he's won, McNally hits him with a harpoon chain, knocking him into the water. He takes a gash from Hookjaw's hook, and McNally jumps down with the harpoon for a final confrontation with the shark. This this fight fascinates me, because it starts with McNally saying, you can't leave, (laughs) and then he tries to kill him and get him to leave. Yep, yep, it's weird. Uh, yeah. McNally and Hookjaw... Lost it. I mean, yeah, he's gone full... He's full Captain Ahab here. Uh, yeah. McNally takes um, takes on Hookjaw with that harpoon. The, the beast gets wrapped in the chain, and the chain also wraps around McNally. Um, Hookjaw pulls him over, and then McNally goes 100% Ahab as uh, Hookjaw bites off one of his legs. <laughs> And this part's in color, and it's so awesome just because we see the page go red with McNally's blood. It's real cool. <laughs> yeah, it starts with a stream, and then it fills up more of a panel. Like, you see the trailing behind him, and then, like, the blood coming out of Hookjaw's mouth as yeah. he streams up to stalk him. As it, the blood just covers more and more of the page. Like, it's just Yeah, because it, it's, it's pretty part Because, like, he's in the water, so it's clearly, like, you know, he's they're in, like, the crystal clear waters of the, of the Caribbean, right? So... Like, you know, he's got the, you know, his leg's been cut off, so it's just it's filling the whole place with this giant cloud of blood and stuff. Oh, that's good. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's just like everywhere that McNally goes, he leaves the streaks across, like the streaks across the shark where they're like, mm. where they cross each other and the water is, like you said, clouding up with just like this mist across, like between yeah. the two of them. Yeah, some some just really cool imagery. Definitely. <laughs> they're like using this for... <clears throat> Yeah. Uh, uh, so Mason gets picked up by a seaplane, and uh, he tries to tell them about the rig, but they just assume he's delirious and stuff. He's got a giant like cut across his his chest from Hookjaw's hook and stuff. And so it's just down to McNally and Hookjaw who continue to fight. But man, it's a foregone conclusion. Right. Uh, I- M- McNally gets chomped in an explosion of limbs, like his arm and leg go flying in different directions from the rest of them and stuff. Yeah, he's dismembered, but not from being chopped up. Just the compression of 
just the bite? Jaws. Yeah. Yeah, caused all of his <laughs> limbs to explode offward, outward. I mean, I guess maybe, like, he, like, bit him, maybe, like, in, like, the, the crook of his elbow or something like that. So that, like, it took off, like, the top part. I don't know. It's it's no, cool, though. Is, these are blood vessels bursting from the pressure yes. of the jaws. Okay. Blowing limbs off. You can I, see, I, I see it. <laughs> I, I'm down with that, man. I'll, I, I never doubt Hookjaw's powers, dude. Don't come after me, Hookjaw. <laughs> I mean, we did watch somebody in, like, the first issue blow yeah, it's up true. surfacing so it's true yeah probably just they're on a boat they're eating so they got so much salt in their diet that their blood pressure is like at like near bursting limits or something right they're <laughs> practically popping as it is indeed just... <laughs> jesus but so with with that hookjaw is victorious the end of hookjaw oh yeah but he'll be back next episode. Um, you know, uh, Mason will be back too. I'll let you know. And it's just going to be more uh, Hookjaw versus the world. And I'm so here for it. I love Hookjaw. <laughs> you know, I want to be my dad. It's good time. <laughs> I am excited for half of those returns. <laughs> fair. Super fair. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Speaking of things we might be a little bit less happy with, it's uh, non-stories, covers, editorial, action man, and money man. I am excited about one thing. I got my hookjaw cover I asked for. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, issue 10, where is Hellman? Why is Money Man locked up? How can Mike Carter escape? And who is hookjaw? <laughs> <laughs> or that's implied. There's no actual who on there, but yeah, it's a giant, awesome hookjaw cover. Just a Just... real big old shark coming at you. Blood coming off his face and stuff. Yeah, the multiple rolls of teeth, like I like the the really realistic style I was talking about in the, yeah, yeah. In the previous show. Yeah, I love it. Just this giant shark bursting out of this <laughs> magazine. It's everything that I asked for. Thank oh, you that's so awesome! Much, yeah, so good. Yeah, so Steve McManus welcomes us to uh, to action. There's a letter that's uh, kind of scared of Hookjaw, which is kind of funny. Um, and the right, it's kind of excellent. They, they includes an image of what his curtains look like at night. And it looks yeah, like it looks like shark shark. <laughs> teeth it's great <laughs> some of these letters from these kids at times are just horrifying to me yeah. I'm, I'm terrified for these children totally it's tough in 1976 england man i can't stress that enough <laughs> we get reports of kids using the football tips that have been in these comics a, uh, another kid whose granddad was reported killed three times during world war one which seems pretty rough um right there's uh there's... about his letters chasing is like right. around the world <laughs> yeah. to try to notify them if this person was dead and they find him and they find more letters that he's dead they find him again it's wow <laughs> totally there there's a uh, complaints about that hook job patch from issue two not having the hook in it and some real excellent um editor explanation of oh yeah this is a picture of hook jaw from moments before he got the hook like come on guys right right <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, I noticed after after reading that letter, multiple points where in the comic, like the art is missing the the hook. It, you know, he doesn't know it. It's fine, whatever. <laughs> you know, he, it's like a deployable hook. It seems like yeah. sometimes he can pop it up further to right. Yeah, it's retractable, hooks. like like Wolverine. It's fine. Right. You know? Yeah, but it, it's, that's a fancy hook. <laughs> There's uh there's no wall questions, card games for under a quid, um Action Man's up on stilts walking around, and uh Tony Blackburn, a radio DJ, is Twit of the Week for not being serious enough about pop stars. Real <laughs> <laughs> <No> problems. <laughs> yeah, you know, you gotta I mean, you know, you you, you gotta write them in. Mid prog there's a huge ad for Action Man toys, which I believe are the precursor to Action Force, which is uh UK's version of G.I. Joe. 
There's also, there's also one of these uh, maniac uh, maniaction uh, uh, machines. This one's of uh, a steam uh, powered uh, a maniaction powered snooker cue, which looks like it'll win games of snooker and murder everybody in the area. There's a real good picture of a snooker ball being launched off the table right into some dude's brain, which, or through his mouth into his brain, which is pretty awesome. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure the 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 it's win by disqualification because there's no opponent left. I yeah. don't seem to actually see that many things getting yeah. knocked down. Things are going off the table. Mostly yeah, last man standing pool rules, you right. know. <laughs> Man, these 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 English blood sports, like the, all the sports that we have here, are so much like wilder in England in the seventies. You know it all. You know, like uh, they never had a chance to sort of like you know become more dignified with that stuff. You know, it's always been tough. They you know they they had Romans and Vikings, and now it's just blood sport. Blood sports all over. <laughs> Street pool and hurdling yeah. and uh, boxing. It's just it's, it's insane. <laughs> totally. Money Man's been arrested, but it'll be out soon at the village of Merstham on Surrey, which I'm sure I've mispronounced. Um, given out that moolah. <laughs> There's an interview with Kevin Jolly, the badminton player. Action Mouse is golfing with a talking golf ball. And uh, then there's football lessons for heading in, for heading at a goal. This one actually I, I find to be hugely important. This is like this is a way that a lot of people without practice can get injured uh, playing. Yeah, you just it's tough when they're like when you're when everybody else is going for something with their feet and you're going for it with your head, you know. <laughs> well, even that, beyond that, like this is a, a lot of neck injuries uh, oh, occur this way. I, I used to actually um coach and ref AYSO soccer, a little known fact. Um, so when I saw this one, I was actually really excited because uh, a lot of kids are really excited about heading balls, but mm-hmm. if you use an improper technique, it can result in a lot of like neck injuries. Um, so wow. this is one of the ones where I was just kind of like, I, I actually perked up. I was like, oh, awesome. Yes, please do. <laughs> Did you feel this. like this was good <laughs> advice in this um, strip? Uh, this is pretty solid advice. Yeah, like cool. they do avoid some of the major don'ts. Um, I like it's it's a lot to try to compress into a panel, but sure. if you're going to try to approach the subject, this is definitely a good start. <laughs> nice. Well, that's amazing. I never thought that we'd take one of these soccer stuff tips seriously, so I'm pretty excited about it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a couple of their things have been some have had pretty good yeah. advice. Like they I'm do, not sure that they it's, do cover yeah. some basics that are like that we would uh, impart to the kids for. I mean, this is stuff that we were imparting to like eight-year-olds. Sure. So, like, it's, this is this is in line with stuff that you might teach an eight-year-old. Yeah, and I, and uh, but I feel like that's decent <laughs> for this comic. I mean, we definitely have seen like some of the letters are clearly from like writers that identify themselves as being like like eight or even like six years old or something like that. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's this is a lot of solid advice about like, cool. like like the dribbling and passing techniques and stuff like that, like the heading of the ball. Like this is the stuff that we tried to prep kids on, like that were new to soccer to the sport, like they probably hadn't played uh yeah. prior to that year or the year before. This is the kind of stuff that we've walked through so yeah i actually do like these little segments cool yeah all right um issue 11 kill one is dredger kill two is hellman kill three is running man final kill hook jaw (laughs) (laughs) Um, inside steve plugs the starting greens grudge war story a reader has counted all the noses in issue two of action and he comes to 522 which seems high (laughs) <laughs> but he counted it 12 times, right? Oh, okay. I don't know. Yeah, I'm just going to so say. he came to 522 after counting 12 times. That is. That seems weird. Uh, yeah. I mean, but there's also, I mean, do you count all the sharks? Because, like, there was the, Ooh, you know, if every do, one of the sharks yeah. in, 
animals that appear as a nose, <laughs> and then like every one of the soccer games, that's yeah, like that's a fair point for sure. People, like when they do a audience shot, right? Like how mm. many people in that crowd? So I thought about it, and I was like, I'm really curious, and also I am never going to go try to count 500. No, no, I'm willing. Those are that's a fact. I'm willing to let stand for sure. <laughs> Um, another reader says that action shouldn't call itself the comic of the 70s because it's going to be around in the 80s. Incorrect. Also- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I checked a little bit when I read that. Yeah. It's like, uh, such an optimistic youth. <laughs> yes, for sure. There's also talk of an action annual and special, which I believe we'll get to on this show eventually. Um, Money Man is headed for Cardiff in Wales. And Tom Baker is Twitter of the Week because of the dangerously long scarf he wears as Doctor Who. It's like 20 yes. feet long. It's pretty good. I do love that. It's just like this is a bad example for kids because I think they'll get hurt if they wear a scarf this long. <laughs> that kid's a spoil sport, dude. Like, get out of here. <laughs> oh, these children so much. <laughs> there's there's also a thing that's like a grumble and groan thing for um this game Sabudio. Which yeah, I guess. I looked up on the internet, Jason, because I had never heard of that. And it's basically like this soccer game. We have a tape, like it's a board game. We have a big board. It's a giant uh, soccer field. And then you have these little soccer players that are standing on these like weighted, like, pl- like dishes that kind of look like a hero clicks almost or something like that. And you okay. got to like flick the player and the ball and stuff around to like basically play a game of soccer with these tiny dudes that, that you're flicking. Um, and I highly recommend looking up, like a YouTube video of, of like grown men playing this thing in like 2010 because it is amazing. <laughs> I have got, this sounds fascinating. I've got to see this in action. I like, I seriously spent like 30 minutes. I didn't really have just watching these guys play. Cause they're very like rules lawyery about it and stuff like that. It's very good. <laughs> How hard is it to get a copy of this thing? Now I'm super curious. I mean, okay, I'm sure it's just, wanna... yeah, it's like, we got to figure it out. We we, we got to put this on the list of things we got to do. <laughs> <laughs> next yeah man next visit we arrange this has got to be something that's on the list absolutely like, yeah, yeah sc- screw magic we're playing because apparently there's a lot of other sports too that's like volleyball versions and stuff but whatever <laughs> wow oh this is the start of something weird. Yeah. all right gotta get into it um <laughs> yeah so there's the uh the the Mania Action Speed Valet, which does all your morning evolutions all at once, from toothbrushing to removing belly button lint to shaving to shoe polishing. I gotta say, the shaver, yeah, the shaver looks pretty terrifying. Like in the text for it, they say that the uh, the guy who that used it once had both of his ears surgically removed, and now complains that he can't that his hats keep falling down because they don't. Yeah, in the example picture. He appears to be decapitated. Indeed. Um, and also, wild. and plus, like, he's, everything else is shower stuff. There's also a shoe polisher, so it's like polishing his socks, you know? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's right. He's just, like, polishing his bare, f- okay. That's, yeah. Yep. Weird, yeah. At the end of the issue, we see Action Mouse pole vaulting with a parachute, which seems reasonable. And there's an interview with boxer Sid Smith, who would actually end up going pro as a boxer and retire with a 25 record, which seems decent. Also, once again, with the Action Mouse... Think about how far up he had to get to do the yeah. air shoot. Air shoot away from. These, the, the powers of this mouse know no bounds. Yeah, easily a thousand well, feet up. Because it takes a second for parachutes to like deploy and stuff. And that's fully deployed. <laughs> I guess the powers of this mouse know one bound. But we'll get to that in the next episode. <laughs> uh, Prog, or oh my gosh. Issue 12. Exciting, extravagant, explosive action. Uh, this one's another montage cover, and it's got a lie because it says Hookjaws in it, and buddy, he ain't. 
<laughs> I mean, Hookjaw's in it as of this cover. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, uh, no, they do have an announcement about Hookjaw coming back in the future. What is that in this episode? Or was that in no, the I think preview? that's in this one. But I mean, that doesn't count, you know? <laughs> I mean, it is a mission of Hookjaw, technically. I s- I suppose. Um, Steve McManus talks to us again. He's pretty tired just from reading the finale of Sports Not for Losers. There's letters about a comically failed attempt to use the hook jaw patch. It fails multiple times in doing it. Um, Who is the door? Yeah. Or <laughs> he tries to put yeah. He tries to put it on a door. He like tries to iron it onto the door and melts his door. And then he tries to fix his door. And there's just more problems related to that. Um, <laughs> and his punishment is to not get an, an issue of action. It's <laughs> the greatest part. <laughs> like, Here's your horrible punishment. You don't get to read that comic anymore, son. Ah. Uh. <laughs> Um, there's also letters from like le- like about that's basically just a joke about like corporal punishment in in Scotland. Like, is it a joke? It's something. I mean, <laughs> I he feel- talks about this teacher terrifying his students by yeah. like destroying a piece of chalk with his belt at the start of every year. Yeah, it's crazy, and that keeps them in line. I mean, uh, I, yeah, I like I said, I'm terrified for some of these children. It's true. It's very <laughs> you know, this is very like another brick in a wall kind of stuff, you know. <laughs> Um, yeah, there's a there's a failed money man spite, citing a pretty cool dredger picture. Uh, and some more stories about family members stealing kids copies of action. And uh, Steve Steve's going up in a hot air balloon, which seems cool. Though the cameraman does have to follow uh, follow them up on the ground by car to take pictures of it. Um, I do feel like readers have keyed in on uh, trying to put Steve in a situation with heights because oh yeah between, after the latter one we get the giant stilts we get this air balloon like <laughs> there seem to be a lot of suggestions that are like hey put go up high you seem like you were actually scared you should yeah. go up high and i feel like that's good just good pictures for the comic too like just in terms yeah. of like the level of detail we can see in these pictures and stuff um Fair too. yeah it makes sense yeah. Um, so Money Man is taking a break for a month. Presumably kids are running him ragged just when he tries to live his real life as non-Money we, Man. We did <laughs> just see a letter about some random stranger getting accosted yeah. somebody. So. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, there's a, uh, there's a guess what, which is the pictures of like the close up ones. And this one's so clearly a thimble that it might just have the words thimble written on it. <laughs> so I felt bad because I read this one and like the previous one i looked at and i was like oh looks kind of like a book but that isn't i don't think that's what it is and then it turned out to be a book and so i doubt it myself yeah keep you getting (laughs) you got to go with your instincts buddy (laughs) action totally yeah action man swings into the panel border once again uh testing the reality of the world he finds himself in (laughs) and we uh meet a 16 year old water ski wizard and kojak is the twig of the week because he keeps sucking on those lollies, baby. <laughs> oh, and his litter bug. This person's a bad example for the youth. Like, these are the only letters that win. These Twitter, the, yeah, these Twitter of the Week letters are real spoil sports, but it's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the final mani action of the, of, the, of the month is the traffic jam remover, which is just this big tank, basically, with spiked wheels to kill pedestrians, basically, for spite. Um, as it picks up and automatically cubes the vehicles in front of you. So much murder involved in this one. Just a lot of dead people. Even commuting has become a blood sport in 70s England. It is. It's it true. was wild times. Yeah. It's why, it's, why, uh, it's why Mad Max seems so realistic. I mean, I guess that's why. That's why. <laughs> that's Australia. But I stand by my point. Um, anyhow. 
<laughs> it, it was inspired by something. Yeah. I got to say, um, I'm pretty bummed because this issue has a soccer fact that's the same as the one from last week, which is ridiculous. Um, yeah, I was pretty. I, I, had, I was flipping back through. I was just like, wait a minute. This seems awful familiar. Yeah. How long ago did this? Oh, it wasn't that last long ago. Week, it was the yeah. very last week. Yeah. <laughs> All right. There's well. also another like full color rundown of sports in May, which includes rugby, water polo, badminton, ladies track, and the Harlem Globetrotters are literally globetrotting to England. I thought that was a uh, pretty fun. Yeah, should be in a good, the mix. Interesting well, month, absolutely. Just, basketball is kind of like such secondary. Like a lot of like the the paddle sports, like I mean, like badminton, tennis, like those things. Table tennis even even get like a lot of attention, and then like this is like I think the second mention ever of basketball in Action Comics. Yeah, so I'm definitely. just like, yeah, my sport. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> Awesome. Yeah. And hey, speaking of a playing hard, it's story five. Play till you drop. <laughs> um, writer Ron Carpenter, artist Barry Mitchell. So after that match from last week, Alex being interviewed on TV. So, you know, Alex Shaw is being blackmailed and he notices that his blackmailer, Grice, is being attacked by a thug, probably because Grice bet a lot of money on Alex's team losing and wanted Alex to, to throw the game. And he didn't. Um Anyhow, Alec intervenes and saves Grice and afterwards makes it clear that now if Grice prints his blackmail story, it'll look pretty bad because Alec just like saved his life and now you're like printing some story about his dad being a, a cheat. That's weird. You know. I do wonder if that actually flashed in Alec's mind when it first happened or if it's just one of those things where like these heroes can't step back to save themselves. I like to think <laughs> that he was a... he. He saved Grice just to help his help his fellow man, but then afterward he recognized that this could actually help him not be blackmailed anymore. That's my belief, right? Because <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm not as altruistic as some of these folks. Like, no, there's I mean, some people that they deserve to get a couple a couple kicks in, and then you pull the guy off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know, he he does the 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 humane thing. He jumps in, helps the guy out. Hey, it looks like there's some benefit for him. Yeah, I mean, I agree, but that's why they'll never do a story about my heroic soccer career. You know, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> there's no heroic podcasting stories in the comics for us. I mean, they will be, but they'll be more like sort of like a like you know like a every man uh, antiheroes podcasting stories. You know. <laughs> I should think we make more of like an action mouse kind of. Oh yeah, reality bending. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, so with this blackmail thing off his back, Shaw plays an amazing match. He scores five goals. Afterwards, though, the reporter tells him that while he's likely to win the five thousand pounds for being a top scorer, someone is shopping around a scandal about his father. It's clearly Grice, and so Alec isn't clear of him yet. Just can't get free. Well, I mean, at last we do what what I think you've been telling Alec to do since literally issue two of action, which is to freaking talk to somebody about there being a blackmail scheme. What? (laughs) That's an option? (laughs) He he gets this reporter to agree to buy the story. And when Grice comes to make the deal, Alec literally jumps out of the bushes and grabs the evidence, which is pretty amazing. Um, A cop shows up as a fight ensues, but Grice runs and Alex gets taken into the station. There, in the uh, criminal investigation department, they agree to look into it and promise to be confidential about this because, you know, like, they're... Like, they don't care. Like, the cops will not tell people about your blackmail material to arrest a blackmailer. It's fine. Right. Uh, it's almost like cops are supposed to perform some sort of investigation and get all the facts before putting everything in the news. I don't... 
man, it'd be like it'd be it'd be nice in 2018 as well. But anyhow, I mean, yeah, I would say I wish it worked like that here. But this this is comics. That's how cops are supposed to work. Yeah, comic. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Alec goes to play a game which if they'll win they'll clinch the championship so it's real big um, during the match Alex goes down to a foul but just as he does a shot rings out and it's Grice in the stands with a gun shooting at Alec good lord which this is this is insane if you're trying to avoid competition showing up to a crowded soccer, soccer match and shooting at one of the stars seems like the surest way to and not even, that. and not even like a sniper rifle in the rafters, like a pistol on the sideline. <laughs> yeah, approaching the pitch to, yeah. yeah, this is wild. Alec takes him out the soccer ball. The cops arrest him and reveal to Alec that in fact his dad did take a bribe, but it was part of a sting operation to take down someone else set up by the cops. So the whole thing's been for nothing. <laughs> right, and why was that information withheld the previous time? Yeah. Like, well, I mean, I guess the CID guy had to check in about it, and it's not something that Alex's dad told him or anything like that. But it is, it is an interesting that they find out immediately. Like if he had, he we could have solved this thing immediately. But why? You know, we got to keep doing it. Anyhow, Alex scores a hat trick, and the team wins the championship, and he gets the five thousand pounds. Blackmail is done. The end of play. Do you drop? I, I, I'm glad. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, it is. I, uh, it I is, got to the yeah. end, and I was just like, "That's cool." I. I, I'm really happy that I don't have to watch him agonize over why he shouldn't get help. I mean, it's pretty rid- – yeah, it is ridiculous that the thing you've been telling – you've been basically shouting at him to do since the <laughs> since the start is literally what he did and that worked, you know? Like, because the thing is that the cops don't really care about soccer cheating, you know? The key, I think, to what these – to a lot of these stories about, like, blackmail or about someone having, like, a – having a problem they have to, like, solve it on their own is you have to establish – uh, for some reason, why the why the hero can't go to the cops, you know? Right. And so, like, you know, so, like, in, in The Running Man, right? Like, um, you know, he can't go to the cops because the cops are the ones that think he's the killer, you know? And, yeah, totally. And all that stuff. And this, they, they, they never really do that. And so we spend the whole story being like, go to the cops. Like, come on. <laughs> like, you Especially know. when he says over and over, he's like, I'm pretty sure my dad's innocent. There must be... Yeah. Something else to it. There must be some more sort of misunderstanding. Who could help me figure this out? Surely not the people paid to investigate crimes. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I feel, I feel like we've we, we've beaten this play till you dro- play till you drop a uh, horse to death. But That's I feel fair. like we just want to get there one last time. <laughs> just get one last kick in. That's right. <laughs> and speaking of getting kicked, it's a uh, story six. Sports not for losers. I love these transitions. <laughs> my, it's my one superpower. Uh, writer Steve McManus, artist Dudley Wynn. Um, so, our buddy Dan, he's coming to visit his brother Len at the detention center where he was tossed in last episode. He's bringing Len's girl Renee with him. <laughs> uh, you know, just by at, at great sacrifice to himself. Oh, how, Dan, how horrible Dan's life is. Dan hates Renee so much, it's hilarious. <laughs> Anyhow, he catches he catches Len trying to escape and convinces the governor to let Len go to the three A's final. The gov agrees, but only if Len can beat that evil Mister Bolt in a foot race. So you know, as always with play till till for sports not for losers, it's time for a Titanic foot race. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is where all that like you know blood sport hurling training like pays off, right? Yeah, you aren't like, even free in prison. Yeah, um, Bolt cheats a lot. 
He like gives himself a, a head start, kicks mud in Len's face, pushes Len to a mud pit, cuts the course. But Len's still super fast, pulls ahead to win every time, hurdles a fence that Bolt has to climb. He's won! It's almost like he's an athlete versus an asshole. Yeah, that's an interesting uh, concept of those two. You know, you'd be surprised how often an asshole does, in fact, win in that situation. Um, <laughs> that's fair. Out of yeah. his brother. <laughs> right. Yeah, because out of sight after the victory, Bull uh, kicks the crap out of Len, like, real heavily. It's crazy. Um, and then we see the next issue, Len's literally tied to the back of Bolt's car for quote-unquote training, with Bolt going so fast. Yeah, he's like, he's going so fast, he's like dragging Len behind him in the car and stuff. It's crazy. But uh, then the well, warden, like, thanks him for helping. Well, because he doesn't see the dragging party. Does he like, ah, oh, helping young Len train, eh? Good, good show. He's strapped to the back of a car. Oh, yeah. What? You know, I mean, listen, this gov- the, the governor guy p- pretends to be the nice one, but he's complicit. We all know he is. That's fair. <laughs> the, yeah, other, like- yeah. the other inmates are fed up by this treatment, and they actually mutiny. They, they toss dirt in Bolt's face and trip him, like literally like have a nice trip, which is pretty awesome when you trip somebody. <laughs> yeah. And then they do this crazy thing where they tie him to the rafters of like a gym by like his wrists that are tied together. And then they like swing him and like a heavy bag like around until finally they smash into each other. It's ridiculous. Are they, are they weighted to each other? Is he weighted opposite the bag across the rafter? So they swing... <laughs> It seems weird, yeah, but basically because they because they miss each other a lot, so it's not direct like like weighted at each other. They just sort of like pendulum yeah. into them each, into each other eventually. Um, it seems pretty scary and pretty like this would probably kill somebody, but whatever. <laughs> but so at, with that done, I guess so now like Mister Bolt Sir has been defeated, I suppose. Um, Dan picks up Len to go for the final race, but Len's like feeling super down, depressed because you know he's just been. Whatever yes. serially abused in in boys' prison for like a couple weeks. <laughs> yeah, speaking of defeated, he's just Seriously. no swagger. Yeah, just kind of going along with whatever is told. Luckily, at the big party right before the race, Dan has an idea and gets their buddy champion hurdler Beanpole Barnes, who will remember inspired Len by beating him in a previous episode, to like insult Len and throw and pour booze on him and stuff. <laughs> Yeah, Dan's plans for Lynn are always so shitty for Lynn. And so, like, underhanded. Like, his first move is always, how can I lie to my brother to get him to do this race or to do this thing, you know? Right. But Lynn's supposed to be the, like, bad guy to lay about the the jerk. Like... Well, yeah, because Len just lies and cheats in, uh, in, in, in order to like play pinball and smoke cigarettes. Well, Dan does it to like win, uh, the hurdle blood sport, you know? Yeah, the, you know, honorable way of doing things. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Anyhow, but with this, it does seem to work because the insults cause Len to get real angry, rile him up, he gets in a food fight, and uh, is back to his old cocky ruffian self. He'll be ready for the big race for sure. And the blonde dudes pat themselves on the back for being appropriate assholes and saving the day. <laughs> Feel good about themselves for this <laughs> jerkiness they've done. Um, I mean, that seems about right. Yeah. So, but right before the big race, Spit and his mob have caught up with Len, and they're gonna kick the crap out of him right before the race starts. He gets his ass whooped so much lately. It's <laughs> true. Every yeah. issue is just a scene of him getting kicked around and then, you know, 
Yeah. Blood sport racing. Definitely, yeah. Dan also gets tied up. He manages to free himself with a piece of broken glass just lying on the ground there um, to get free. And then he and his bro team up to beat up these hooligans. Yeah, Dan seeming a lot healthier. Early issues, we saw him walking around with like a cane, right? Like he I mean, had I know a that like limp. Yeah. it does seem and, like many months have passed in the course of this, like you know, ten weeks of comics or so. Yeah, because um, he's full on Batman's in this one. Definitely uh, <laughs> a lot of Batmaning this this, this episode. <laughs> <laughs> So they go to the hospital. Um, Len is held for observation for a concussion. But that morning he wakes up, breaks out, and makes it for the track. Yeah, he's super committed all of a sudden. After all of this, like, dragging, kicking and screaming, when even Dan has finally given up, has finally said, I will not try to get my brother to run with your concussion. Even this is, this we have reached a point that is too far for Dan. Len's like, Hey, fuck that. I got to do this for him, buddy. Hey, he's got to pull to that next level. He's got to push through that CTE, man. He's like a normal professional football player. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of deep cuts. Oh, man. Yeah. (laughs) Got the CTE. Um, So uh, Len runs across town because the bus leaves before he can get there and stuff. There's a pretty fun moment where there's like like a big traffic jam in front of the stadium. And he gets across the street by like climbing in and out of people's cars and stuff. There's like a, a snooty businessman that says, oh, this is a private car. <laughs> I was expecting like the car hood slide, you know, like actually sequence. No, no, moving through. It's <laughs> yeah, good. It's great. Yeah. Finally, though, he gets to the stadium just in time. But when the race begins, he's exhausted from running to the field and he falls behind. Luckily, there's time. Len pours it on. He draws level, finally pulling ahead of Beanpole right at the end, winning the race. Well, you know, Beanpole had to, you know, lay on the insults. We got to keep him motivated, you know. That's what, you, his, that's what you don't do. Poke that bear. Oh. Doing his bl- blonde guy duties, you know. Right. Hey, got to be an appropriate ass. And then tells him at the end, too. This is great. It's like, hey, I was being an asshole to motivate you. Oh, thanks, bud. <laughs> so Len is the champ, but now that Dan is healed up, next year there'll be a whole nother race for to be the champion hurdler, and this time Dan and Len will be going up against each other. Anyhow, so see what it's like brother blood sport. I that's mean, right, darkest kind. Anyhow, the end of sports not for losers. All right, and with uh, a replacement announced, it sounds like Death Game nineteen ninety nine. Which sounds super interesting to me. That's right. It's going to be real exciting. It's kind of like a rollerball meets um, pinball, like or no, it's like it's like ice hockey meets pinball, basically. Like, like just this description is given. It's like it gives such like a Blade Runner esque vibe. Yeah, very Blade Runner. Very like the movie Rollerball. You know, takes place in the distant future of 1999. Should be good times. <laughs> <laughs> I I can't wait. It's violent explosive murderous totally hey and speaking of uh futuristic blood sports jason it's a uh, story seven the running man although that's more reference to this shirt to the uh, schwarzenegger movie running man but still um <laughs> <laughs> i mean this gets pretty wild it's true well yeah, we're definitely some, some blood sport type <laughs> Uh, activity. I mean, there's blood. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So it's writer Steve, yeah, writer Steve McManus, artist Lalia. So cheese and crackers. Jason Mike Carter has stumbled across a crazy satanic ritual going on inside the petrified forest. 
and they're getting prepared to sacrifice the local sheriff. It's ridiculous. Because life wasn't crazy enough. You know? No. Hunted by the mob, plastic surgery to look like the murderous son of a mob boss. And suddenly there's like crazy Satanists. I mean, yeah. And they're about to murder a cop. So, yeah, something I learned about myself um, doing when I was like writing down my notes for this is I don't know how to spell sheriff like at all. Uh, one R, two Fs. If you're wondering, I cannot remember that apparently. Is it only one R? Oh, <laughs> only wow. one R. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Freak okay. out. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Mike uh, runs in, fights his way through the cultists, tosses their evil holy book into the fire, and then escapes with the sheriff back to the town of Deliverance. Which is just an excellent name for the Good, town yeah. housing a bunch of uh, Satanists. It really, it's population five hundred. It seems like every other person in this town is one of the is a, is a member of the Satan of the Satanist cult. <laughs> Everyone that seems to matter, like they completely shut them down. Yeah, the whole town <laughs> turns its back on Mike and the sheriff. Um, they see the actual evil cult leader just hanging out in front of like a gas station, like waiting. Yeah, just t- based. Face tats, chest tats, everything. Like, yeah. yeah. You see me? Yeah, I see you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you can't tell by what's tattooed on my forehead? Professional leader of Satanist cult? Yeah, fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> Inside the sheriff's office, the light bulbs explode and wait till dark is written in blood on like the, on like one of the mirrors. The phone lines are down and the sheriff's car has been sabotaged so he can't drive out. Uh, Mike and the, sh- and the sheriff are stuck in this office, and the cultists will begin to attack at night. Say your goodbyes! I didn't think we could see this character in more desperate straits than hold up with the mob boss with a crazy killer standing outside the door. And yet... Yeah, this one or the one where he was in the meatpacking plant and all those guys were coming down on him. He gets caught, right. in, gets caught in, like, siege situations a fair amount, you know? Uh. Yeah, that's fair. And he did Batman his way out of that one. Oh, yeah, yeah, so. yeah. So Mike starts to barricade the sheriff's office complete with, um, like noting his own wanted poster on the wall and stuff. Um, there's also a drunk in the back cell, which is pretty funny. Just sort of complaining about everything. Um, yeah, I kept waiting for this guy to be super relevant and he's just there for com- like just to yeah, straight up just comedy. Yeah. <laughs> I love he's just there for color. It's awesome. <laughs> the Satanists drink blood to toast the sheriff's death and begin their assault. Luckily, uh Mike's got a shotgun and he just starts killing the hell out of these dudes. Kills like five <laughs> dudes. Um, it turns out that this these are just in fact small town people that are just going about their small town lives. Yeah. What happened to be Satanists? Yeah, they are not ready for some guy with a shotgun aiming for center mass. No way. <laughs> he's like Wait, this is I remind you, this is a hurdler. This is he's a he's a long distance country. runner. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's just a he's a he's a some like kid from England that runs long distances. And he also apparently this is a superhero. Like he just He's a, our vigilante superhero. Like, he starts taking out everybody again. Yeah, I can't stress enough that in previous version of the story, he was beaten by the American highway system. And right. now he is full on um, punishing, like, the, this entire town. <laughs> he sends some mafia goons in the last one into that wood chipper. Yeah, snow, snow eater. Yeah. Gets, yeah. Them, <laughs> gets them shredded, takes on a full town of cultists, and is just blasting them left and right as they T- besiege him and one other person in this small building. Yeah. He uses the old uh, face in the mirror trick. To uh, to uh, lock the cult leader Bronson with the face tattoos and stuff into a jail cell, and I guess apparently that's all it needs because he does that, and then all the other cultists like sort of like, oh, we're freed of his evil spell, I guess. 
<laughs> but he had killed like a dozen other ones. Set up That's a fair. trap yeah. in the back window so that the, the gun shot that one automatically. <laughs> I totally. mean, at that point, I'm going to be like, I am, yes, uh, I am uh, enthralled to your bullet magic. I am free of the <laughs> yeah, ha- magic. Please hallelujah. Don't kill yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the, uh, the sirens of cops from a nearby town are approaching and Mike heads out, even though, yeah, like, like you're saying, the, uh, the surviving sheriff is literally like, Hey, this is your town now. Like you're, you're the boss. <laughs> like, don't, right. d- don't leave. You're our savior. We need you. But he goes. <laughs> well, as you pointed out, there's a wanted poster right now. Next to that sheriff yeah, that he's no. not looking at that has his face on it. I gotta say, I was shocked that Mike used a mirror in that situation as opposed to using the actual wanted poster of himself to like uh, oh, uh, trick it somebody. Was so it was right there, right? right? Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. And they introduced this like mirror out of nowhere. Oh, yeah. what a waste. <laughs> I mean, I guess they had to do the mirror before that because the blood was written on it, but or the message in blood was written on the mirror, but whatever. You yeah. know. That uh, still one feels, poster. Still feels like a missed opportunity. Yeah, definite miss, if you ask me. Um, so anyhow, a couple days later, stumbling through the desert, Mike is dying of thirst. This was a terrible plan. He could have at least <laughs> stolen some supplies when he left that town. No, <laughs> nothing. He, I mean, he could have literally asked for anything. Yeah. And but apparently there's enough people that felt grateful. He yeah. could have had whatever he wanted. No, just run off to the desert. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. more of a stumbling man. <laughs> oh, dip. Eventually, he runs into... Eventually, he runs into a, a, a car chase being filmed for a movie that's just blasting through of like a car chasing after a bus or something. Like I'd um, say literally runs into, as in like it's almost run down by this bus. It's, yeah, the bus dodges away from him and goes off the side of a cliff. And one of the and like the cameraman in this big um, scaffolding in front of the bus is stuck, like hanging over the side of the cliff. No one will go to save him, but attendant Mike does. Um, not you know he tries to save the guy, and of course punches him in the face to uh, help him get his wits about him to jump to safety, as you do. And nice, nice dredger move there, save him for himself. <laughs> Total dredger move. <laughs> they jump clear as the bus falls, and the film di- and the film's director, who's super seedy, gets an idea. <laughs> Do you have uh, any feeling that this director's last name might also be McNally? I just Certain. might be related to somebody named <laughs> McNally. He's got this same, uh, um, listen, I'm a businessman, and that means that I am motivated by evil. Not even by like <laughs> making money, but literally by doing evil things. Um, whatever and, will hurt people around me seems like the best business proposal. <laughs> absolutely. In this case, he uh, because Mike seems pretty basically delirious from thirst and not to have a lot of fear because he's just sort of down on his luck he offers to pay him to uh do some hang gliding for us as a stunt for this movie does Spen- he actually offer to pay him okay he yeah no that's true do it. tells him to jump in on this hang glider and they're gonna film it there's a panel of this guy explaining how the hang glider works and it's very complicated <laughs> <laughs> but it's easy to handle Here's several paragraphs. Here's how to do it. Well, here's several paragraphs in the form of one paragraph written very quickly. <laughs> Anyhow, next thing you know, Mike's up in this hang glider, not knowing how to fly it, and man, he's about to hang and in, glide into this cliff. It's pretty tough. But he's having a blast. He is having a blast, and that's what's important, you know. Right. Oh, man. Yeah, no, he's having some fun time. I'm pretty jealous of that state because hang gliding in a 1970s movie uh, set seems pretty fun, you know. And speaking of jealousy, Jason. Oh, man. Ah, ah. Oh, boy. Story 8, Green's Grudge War. Uh, This is a 
fascinating one it is interesting <laughs> absolutely yeah uh writer jerry finley day artist massimo bellardinelli who's a you know uh, jerry finley day of course just does a lot of war stories also in 2008 it's the first time we're seeing massimo bellardinelli here in action he is a uh italian artist who is really amazing and does really great science fiction stuff and mm. you know i've actually never seen him do, do a lot of this war stuff so it should be interesting i'm, I'm stoked to check it out I really do love the art style for this for this comic, uh, but not as much as I love how much they like double and triple down on using green in as many ways as possible. <laughs> it's the funniest. <laughs> it's like they really lean into it over and over. <laughs> yeah, so it's 1941. Britain's starting to fight back against the Nazis, um, and they're training commando units to do so, like to do raids on mainland England and stuff. Uh, Private Tom Green from the Green Guards wants to be one of them and immediately is pissed off and jealous of Private Bold because he's really good at estimating when their train's going to arrive. The Green Green (laughs) wants his Green Beret, damn it. (laughs) And then he's also jealous when they make a 10-mile march to the base. And as they do it, they go to cross a river in a big human chain, but then a floating log comes along, and it almost hits Bold, but Green pushes him out of the way, and then gets hit by the log himself, so Bold saves him in turn and gets all the credit for it. And Green's like, some of that credit should be mine! Conveniently ignoring the fact that the only reason that they were crossing the river was because of Bold's idea. Look, the important thing (laughs) is that because of this uh, situation... Green is green with jealousy. All right, that's the joke, Jason. I don't think you picked it up yet. <laughs> There's so, like I said, it's, <laughs> he's from a group that was referred to as the Greens. His name is Green. He wants a green beret, and he's constantly yes, green with envy, green with jealousy. Like, so th- I feel like I feel are- like I feel like I've been hit by a log because I'm drowning in this joke. It's ridiculous. <laughs> they will. They, they, they will really not stop. It. So. Yeah, and like Bold calls him like calls him Greeny. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> referring to his history because he found out what he used to the the, the group he used to be in. Like, yeah. but it's like, but it's also his name. It's so also like, his like, name. Why do you, what's the joke, dude? Like, why do you keep referring to his position? That's you could just say Green. That's who he is. Nah, so, he calls him Greeny because he's being friendly. Bold thinks they're friends. That's the thing. <laughs> but it just sounds condescending, even though like yeah, it doesn't seem like Bold means like bold just seems to be really good at things yeah <laughs> that pisses green off no end oh yeah yeah so we go to a training montage here as the recruits learn the art of commando stuff bold's constantly getting compliments we see a lot of green being reprimanded like because he's so pissed about this like there's a real there's a real good one where like they compliment green uh bold shooting and then green uh green like gets yelled at for missing because he literally like turns on a dime to glare at uh at bold it's pretty good right. it's I, I almost wonder like if 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 green were to just block out bold and just focus on what he's doing like it seems like he's really I, I, he's actually really talented like he's he's you know training with these guys and he's getting through the training he hasn't failed yeah. out uh, so he's probably really good at what he does and he's obviously got some he's he's got some lightning moves he did save bold that one time even though other people yeah. didn't notice i mean he was so quick that he went no one but him noticed Bolt was in danger at that time. If he just focused on the training, like 
would he not actually achieve his Oh, end? yeah, absolutely. That's the lesson. <laughs> like that's, that's for the, that's sure. The right? <laughs> yeah. it, like, he probably would be one of, if not the best, if he just wasn't so distracted yeah. by how much he hates yeah, somebody. Moral of the, yeah. Moral of the story, <laughs> mind your business and, like, just focus on, you know, worry about yourself, basically. <laughs> oh, well, he does certainly. He does certainly focus on himself soon. That's true. So we're getting towards the end of this training stuff. They're on like a, a one big final like test mission, mission, scaling a cliffside at night. Green and Bold, the last one to goes up, go up on ropes. And then Green, when Green climbs, he climbs, he pulls the rope up after him, leaving Bold behind. The commandos make an assault on this pillbox thing without Bold, but suddenly a flare goes off and Bold has taken the pillbox because without the rope, he managed to run around and find a sheep trail up the mountain and get up on his own. He, <laughs> so because of, because of Green's action, Green's actions, Bold, in fact, earns more accolades. It's pretty good, but they all get Green, they all graduate and get Green, green Berets for being commandos. Green is stewing. <laughs> Right, so he achieved his goal. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, it wasn't, it wasn't, I just, like, for so long, I thought that this was, like, them all applying for, like, one position. No, yeah, they're all just. That that only the best of the best was going to get to make it. The whole group gets in. Pretty much, yeah, yeah, we don't see anybody (laughs) fail. Like, they're they're pulling people in, for sure. (laughs) So we cut to April 1942, and the commandos are in action, striking the coast of Normandy. We see the commando captain and sergeant take out sentries with their commando knives. It's time to go ashore. Um, as they do, Green slips on the wharf and Bold saves him, which makes Bold real pi- or Green real pissed, of course. <laughs> but he only slipped because he was trying to rush to get there ahead of Bold. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. So, yeah. <laughs> this guy's it, life. <laughs> he can't win for losing. And then when he try, and then when he almost loses, Green saves him. It's ridiculous. Um, right. It's time for the big assault. Bold and Green are sort of partners and head out. Green's covering, but he soon splits up. Another split, split in the party situation and takes a, a route across the roofs of the harbor, but his hurt leg makes him fall and he lands in a bunch of like uh, wooden boxes, basically. Talk about botching your stealth check right there. Seriously. The Nazis investigate and all seems lost until Bold shows up and the two of them take those Nazis out. Oh. And the, the, his recap of the fight, his internal recap of the fight is hilarious to me because he goes on about how he saves Bold, but it's like, but that's only because Bold had to come save you. Yeah. That the situation even occurred. Wait a minute. How did you become the hero in this story? Yeah. Well, like, yeah, it's it's amazing. Just the way they write Green as being such, like, a self-centered prick is really awesome. And how he just <laughs> instantly reframes everything of him being a hero that injustice has been done upon him and stuff is really great. It's um. incredible. And, like, Bold just blithely goes along like helping him out and just being yeah, possibly no. the coolest dude ever about it. I can't stress that Bold see, really seems to think that he and Green are like brothers in arms, like the best of friends. Right. Like, like they're, Bold, they're, they're just pulling each other solids left and right. Bold's clearly thinking that like 50 years from now they're both going to be old men who have like bought houses next door to each other, had like a double wedding and stuff, like their kids are all grown up together and like, like, like they've got one's got a son and one's got a daughter and they're like going to get married or something like that. He's got this whole life of them being best friends planned out. Meanwhile, yeah, Green's but- like, Green's like, I hate you, Bold. I'm going to kill you if I get my chance. It's Green's amazing. Got exact- Green's got the exact same life played out, except for he's always slightly better than Bold, and he gets to 
follow him around everywhere and have a slightly bigger house with a kid with slightly better grades that like eventually they do marry and she runs that son into the ground and like he just uh, see see i i imagine being 50 years from now and bold shown up like made of gold who and he's been like <laughs> and he's been like knighted and he's just hanging at green's like tombstone being like i win i win again bold you know <laughs> Somehow it's green. Somehow it's a green gold just to keep things going. You know? But he's just so petty. I can't imagine he's ever duper. actually getting away from. I, I'm pretty sure his life is tied to Bolt now forever. And Bolt is going to think it's for all the greatest reasons. And Green is going to hate every minute of it for the rest of their, like, right. their natural lives. As he continues to be successful, but not successful enough, damn it. Right. Exactly. <laughs> it's great lives, and one of them is going to love. To hate it. <laughs> yeah. They so they attack this wharf building. Bold takes the final guard out with his commando knife, and Green's like, I would have done that, but I lost my knife saving Bold's life in that fight we were just in there. <laughs> that only occurred because Bold saved me from myself. <laughs> That's right. The mission is successful, and Bold gets a pat on his back for his actions, and Green is super pissed. Can't you boys just realize you're in love? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's the ultimate payoff. This is where we're with this. <laughs> Something. I love how hateful Green is, though. Like, it's such a ridiculous story that's real fun. <laughs> he is super committed to this. Yeah. Like, Eric, uh, despite, like, and it's just amazing because he's achieved something elite, right? Like, he's yeah. joined this elite group, this this thing that is supposed to be exceed- exceedingly difficult, and it's just never enough. No, It's yeah. never enough. It's like somebody else is, like, also there, but, like, getting more recognition. Yeah. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah. And speaking of uh, the right people getting recognition, Jason, it's <laughs> Story 9, Look Out for Lefty. Uh, writer for this one is Tom Tully, art by Barry Mitchell and Tom Harding. Tom Tully, we also haven't seen as a writer in action yet, but he's a pretty big uh, comics writer. Did a bunch of stuff in early 2000 AD. He's probably best known for long-running uh, football story, uh, Roy of the Rovers, which like had its own comic and stuff like that. And it's kind of a classic like British sports comic character, I guess. Cool. Yeah. Well, we're going to get into a little sports action here. That's right. Yeah, we start uh, Lefty Lampton. He's like a no-good high school kid. Lives with his granddad who eats dog food sandwiches because he likes the taste better than meat paste. And runs I mean, like, a, like a pawn shop, basically. Who am I to argue with that? I mean, I wouldn't know either way, I guess. <laughs> we, we see Lefty, like, kicking a can as he leaves. Or being like, oh, like, here's here's <laughs> Lampton making the score on goal. The can hits a passing car and takes out its headlight. The driver's in a hurry, but compliments his left foot. I want to say something funny about this. Yeah. The, the scene of him kicking the can, they make sure that they mirror the pose that is shown in the soccer tips. Oh, nice. Uh, is the, how is to the, properly... Oh, like, awesome! Like, keeping it under your center of mass, using the instep, and like curling around to get the like straight shot. So they actually model. <laughs> it looks like at least they model his pose on the same example shot that they give in the. Uh, oh, that's the amazing! Practice, which is maybe why it ended up getting repeated. Yeah, it actually, that, that, this that makes sense. Mm-hmm. That's really funny, though. <laughs> so yeah, I just wanted to put that out. I was like, they, they at least managed to keep it consistent with their yeah. comic. Like, here's the advice we given. Let's give a positive example in our comic as well. <laughs> That's awesome. 
Yeah. So at uh, at school, Lefty gets in a fight with some girls with short hair because he doesn't like the Bay City Rollers and they do. <laughs> and because of that, and after he kicks like, I guess a Bay City Rollers like promotional stand or something, he gets, the shit over. Yeah, he gets yelled at by his bearded schoolmaster, Mr. Gosling, and wonders why he can't be like that nice Sid Smythe. Um, later at... Yeah, later at soccer practice, that guy with a car from earlier shows up and watches the kids play. Uh, Sid misses a goal, and Lefty gets one in, and is good on defense as well. The man reveals himself to be the chief scout of Birmingham City. And Jason, I think you noticed in our scans that Birmingham's written real weird here, which I think is like they had to change the name at the last minute or something like that. So they just had to white out whatever was written there originally and write in the name of whatever the of a Birmingham in in there. Oh. I for I uh, one thing I forgot it was for another oh, yeah, comic. Sorry. The uh, no, this is from way back in uh, the uh, for Blackjack where they talk about the the mountains they go to and it's the skill cat mountains or something like that. <laughs> nice. They like changed it around. Yeah, you don't want those. Yeah. You don't want the cat skills <laughs> suing you for copyright infringement. I guess, <laughs> which I didn't think was a possibility, but hey, hey, I guess so. Um, but yeah, so this chief scout's from Birmingham City, and he wants Lefty to come in for a trial to like be a junior member of the team. Whoa, because he's got talent. And he faints. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah, that's pretty great. Next time, it's Lefty's big chance, but a set of false teeth ruin it. I, is that a grandpa reference? We'll see. All right. Gotta watch that dog food. Definitely. And with that, Jason, whoa, we finished all the thrills for this. Issues 10 through 12 of action. And wow, so, man. It's just getting meatier and meatier, I feel. There's just so much more to dig into. With so much show. going on. Yeah. I can't, like, it's just because I feel like of the number of stories, but I'm always really amazed that we're doing one fewer issue with these episodes are just as long as, like, the regular Space Spinner <laughs> episodes. Um, <laughs> anyhow, though serious question which is what were your top and bottom stories for this episode oh boy oh boy i mean things are shaking up here we got some stories yeah. coming out and some new stories coming in uh i think I'll, I'm gonna go with my my top here i um i had a hard time this time because i really am really starting to enjoy kind of the other elements that are being pulled into blackjack like we talked about before mm. like things are kind of getting wild in the real world as well as in the boxing whereas i talked before about kind of like how it just seemed weird that the health was supposed to be so important and yet it was so ignored i'm kind of interested in seeing if they're going to carry things further away from that mm -hmm. since it wasn't really consistent but i really like the characters and look out for lefty and oh, nice. so i'm gonna put that as my top right now this quirky grandpa figure people that are <laughs> willing to look at this layabout teen like that like destroyed this I, I mean, just the, 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 like the, after all the treatment that we see Lynn get from just the random adults to have someone mm -hmm. not immediately just look at his kid and be like, oh, you're useless. I hate you. And you have to like get past the fact that I hate teenagers to get anywhere in life. Mm -hmm. Like just some of the characters that are being introduced in this one engage me to a, to an interesting degree. And they're just so quirky and the humor is kind of <laughs> odd and fun. And I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm really curious to see where the they go with this what uh what happens when they take this guy out of a school setting so i'm gonna put that as like as far as like generating buzz for me i'm excited to see where that goes nice out the gate one entry and getting your top that's <laughs> awesome i'm i'm pretty excited I, yeah that sounds like that but but I, I i like your reasoning i think that makes sense for sure it just shot yeah like i said shot straight at my interest list and i like 
what they're doing with some of these characters compared to what we've been reading in, yeah. in action so far. Yeah, the, then, uh, uh, the, the one grown-up, like the uh, the scout character, is a real change from pretty much every other grown-up we've met in the course of action, I think. Right, exactly. Like, the relationship we've seen between teen potential, like, star athletes but are considered layabouts and every adult as opposed to this comic, yeah, it's it's definitely kind of flipping on his head. And so for that, I, you know, it's, I'm going to give it my vote just because cool. it's, it's it's definitely given me a, a, something new to look at there. Yeah. And then, um, is it, I mean, I, uh, for my least favorite, I, um, in a really stunning reversal for me, I'm going to have to go with Hellman. I am just, this whole, like, I guess with the reintroduction of this character, like with Kastner coming back, mm-hmm. him whole tra- his straddle the line of like being a, good not nazi yes yeah. it's really starting to weird me out man and I mean, <laughs> you, like, there's there's only so far you can go in forwarding a war effort like in being like literally yeah. like the spearhead right like being the spear tip of this war machine and being like but i'm not as bad as these nazis like no bro like you are the you know like they that you're the bayonet and then the hand of the nazis buddy like yeah. you're still stabbing all their enemies right <clears throat> no that's super to, fair like, yeah you could just say you're head and shoulders above that stuff. And so, you know, with uh, with my previous story finally getting wrapped up in the manner that I, I asked for, uh, <laughs> unfortunately, my, my man Hellman, who I'd been so excited for in the beginning, he's, uh, he's, he's gone to the bottom for me, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, it remains of, at like, you know, sort of actually like Green's Grudge War, I guess, is that Hellman's story is much more a story about is less about a guy being honorable, which is what Hellman would tell you a story is about, and much more about like a guy lying to himself, essentially. <laughs> which I think is is an it's a it's a weird way to go with a story, and I'm yeah, I remain it does remain intriguing, but it also is is tiresome. <laughs> you know, yeah, like it definitely has a way of making every story like at the end rewriting it in such a way that he was the honorable one and other yeah. people were not, and it's like at a certain point, no. You, you, that's oh, yeah, just you're the story guy. you're telling yourself. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> How yeah, about totally. yourself? Oh, <laughs> man. Yeah. I mean, I agree. There's a lot of fun stuff in this issue and, or in this, in the, in the, in the issues we've covered. And I feel like a lot of the, a lot of the easy, like, choices for being bad have sort of either finished or, like, finished, like, finished last time, like, Coffin Sub or sort of came to an end, like, Blade Till You Drop or something like that. We've got a lot of, lot of meat, not a lot of fat left just as these new stories come in and stuff. Um, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, for my top, I gotta, again, I gotta say it's either Hookjaw or Dredger. Those are my two favorites. Um, you know, Hookjaw, yeah, again, just the fact that, like, McNally goes out and a big explosion of limbs is so amazing and just, like, the big showdown and stuff at the end. And then, the variety of crazy stuff that happened in Dredger, just again, like the fact that the, the the climax of the second story was him literally walking up to an ambassador and puking is really awesome <laughs> to me. Yeah, so he walks up to one ambassador in one and shoots him in the face, walks up to another ambassador in another and pukes a bomb. Yeah, I mean... I like Dredger- to imagine, yeah, I like to imagine that this is all going on around the same conference, and so like, it's just been a, an eventful couple days. Just every couple days, this random British guy shows up in the news and does something awful, and then disappears again. <laughs> right, yeah, I mean, I mean, that makes sense. Even in, in the start of the bomb one, or they, Bree does says that they're in hot water because they lost a guy last time, but... um. Right. 
So actually, yeah, maybe, maybe Dredger's my top, I guess, because that there's a lot of funny ones in Dredger between that and the stuff like when Breed kills a cop and all that stuff is real good. Um, yeah, no, uh, Dredger's is, it just gets more and more enjoyable every set. I can't lie, you know, yeah. I, I do I do look forward to reading those every time. I can totally see it. Yeah. <laughs> and then, um, I guess I'm gonna say Sports Not for Losers is my bottom, just because. Yep. They leaned a lot on like Beanpole, like yelling at Len to inspire him to go. Like they did that twice in a row, which is kind of weird. And like just the stuff at the at the youth prison is so freaking grim, you know, that like it's not like it's it's almost less like it's supposed to be almost like funny just how evil Bolt is. But instead, it's just kind of like like, but what about all these kids that are left behind and stuff after Len goes, you know? Like it's it's kind of depressing. Like if you if you really want to be real about it, you know. Well, they're one of those like almost too real kind of a. Uh, yeah, stars. yeah, yeah. Exactly. Like yeah, like you know, you're, you're trying to make it seem bad, but instead it just became like, ugh, like that doesn't sound great at all, you know. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah. So I'd say yeah. So sports are for losing my end, but that means that next that for next episode I got to find some new uh, uh, bottom bottom stories, which is gonna be tough. <laughs> I mean, that's a good problem to have, right? Like, Absolutely yeah. a good problem to have <laughs> for sure. Yeah, and we're like. We're almost, I want to say, a third of the way through the good part of action. So, you know, right. we're doing crazy, you know, we're doing fun stuff. Um, you know, I'd say keep an eye out for um, those short-haired girls and look out for Lefty because they're going to do some stuff that's going to get uh, this comic in a lot of hot water. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Anyhow. Yeah, it's I mean, like good. I said, that one's full of Kirk characters. I'm including those girls. I'm oh, yeah. to see where this goes. <laughs> totally. Yeah. So I hope everybody enjoyed the show. As always, you can contact us at spacefitter2000 at gmail.com on the 2080 forums or on our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages. On Twitter, we're at spacefitter2k. Everything else, look at spacefitter2000. We should be there. And then come back next time as Hookjaw returns, Lefty gets unlucky, the running man heads for Vegas, and we'll be spun right round with Spinball as Death Game 1999 begins. Until oh, man, I'm so excited. It's real good. Until then, I'm Connor at their Jason Week. Our Space Spinner reaction. Spun in for three.